Welcome to From Fear to Fire, Secrets to Overcome Fear, Embrace Your Gifts, and Achieve Success. This is the place where real people share real challenges and where you can find a common bond and uncommon wisdom through their journeys to help you move from fear to fire. I am Heather Hansen O'Neill. I am your host. And today's quote is by Sylvester Stallone. Every champion was once a contender that refused to give up. We have quite the contender, quite the champion for you today. Today, we're bringing on Rob Cook. He is a CPA and CFP whose mission in life is to help families build real meaningful legacies. By day, he serves his clients' families as a wealth advisor. By night, he is the host of the Contenders Wanted podcast, a show dedicated to showing the world that you can have incredible success without sacrificing what is most important in life. So I'm very excited to invite you on today, Rob. How are you? I'm doing great. And thank you so much for having me on, Heather. I appreciate it. Oh, we're going to have some fun. This is going to be a blast. Uh, you know, I'm going to start with the harder question. <laughs> okay. So Go for it. Um, has any part of your journey in either your career or personal life not gone according to plan? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you said that was going to be a hard question that's an easy question oh, answer okay. yes <laughs> a yeah. lot of things have not gone according to plan oh geez, uh, in fact <laughs> uh, i would say more often than not it doesn't go according to plan right. <laughs> um in fact there's a saying in my family we like to jokingly say you know you got to make plans plans are incredibly important but you want to make god laugh just make plans because right? <laughs> <laughs> life never seems to go according to plan i mean no. I think it was General Patton who said uh, some version of effectively, you know, plans are invaluable, but plans are nothing in the heat of battle, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, Mike Tyson, I think, was once quoted for saying, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. Or, or until that... a pandemic hits. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so I would say that more often than not, yes, there are a lot of things in my life that have not gone according to plan. Which is ironic because by day I am a financial planner. That that is literally what I do is I plan the financial futures of my clients with them. Uh -huh. And I plan everything else in my own life. But you know, life is about learning how to be rigid yet flexible enough to mm -hmm. handle the curves of life. Right? Uh, one of my, my favorite quotes is uh, flexibility is the essence of intelligence. And I think that, um, now more than ever, people are really learning how to bob and weave, how to mm -hmm. go with the flow. And some people are kind of battling that and other people are, are diving into it, right? So what do you do when the plan doesn't really work out? Is there something, a strategy that you use? I would say it does kind of depend on the situation, mm -hmm. but there is an overarching principle. Um, so I, I'm a man of faith. So a lot of the way that I view my world and what I do is through the lens of faith. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not going to attempt to, you know, impose my belief system or my faith on anyone. You're listening. There's anyone else. However, to understand how I handle it, I think you need to understand that I view it through a lens of faith. Mm -hmm. So for me, a lot of times it comes down to making the plans and then trusting 
you, whether you want to call it God, the universe, uh, life, uh, karma, whatever it might be, but trusting in him or it or whatever you want to call it. Because mm -hmm. um, I have found that more often than not, if I make a plan and I just continue pursuing my plan, either I will eventually get to the plan, even if it takes some curves and goes some other ways, or it goes into a totally different location. But either way, either the journey was beneficial for, to make me better when I got to my eventual goal, mm -hmm. or the other location where I wound up being because God or the universe or whatever changed my direction winds up being best for me. Mm. Uh, you know, I think that's really important. I want to I want to take a moment and and let that sit with people because so often when something happens that is outside of our control, right? We we're thinking, oh, you know, I can't believe I I lost that job or I can't believe this thing happened or and and you start to like kind of bang your head against a wall, right? And then you mm -hmm. end up getting that better job that you wouldn't have gotten had you kept your original job. Like, so there's, yep. I've found over and over and over again, demonstration of exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. In fact, I actually have a personal experience with just that example there. Oh, really? <laughs> getting a better job than you thought. Yeah. Uh, mind if I share? Of real course. Quick? I love stories. Okay. So my profession, I'm a CPA originally by background, got my master's in accounting from BYU. Mm -hmm. And I worked at Ernst & Young, a multinational accounting firm, but I knew that I did not want to be in public accounting. I just kind of hated looking in retrospect with mm -hmm. anything that I was doing. And I wanted to be able to plan forward, look to the future with the people that I was serving. And so I did a lot of career exploration and realized, oh, I want to get into wealth management. I had always had a knack for finance, always had a knack for investing, always loved the personal finance space. Um, it's just one of those things that even long before I ever got into the world of business or finance, I had always kind of had a little hobby and passion for. Mm -hmm. So I make this decision that I want to do wealth management, but I had recently started as a new staff at Ernst & Young. And I was in audit, which is not at all even related ew. remotely to, well, yeah, not to mention, I mean, you, yeah. Sorry. Who, who really wants to be an auditor? Let, no, no, realistically, who really wants to be one? I, I think there are very few people in this world, even amongst auditors, yeah. who would actually say they love being an auditor. Um, it's just, it's a job, I think, for a lot of them um, and a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out how to get from audit into wealth management because I was effectively going down one path that was a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. And that was a three and a half year journey to get there. Yeah. I wound up doing multiple things where I, I got an additional certification. I got the first level of the CFA, Chartered Financial Analyst, in order to kind of show the wealth management world, hey, I was, I was serious about this. I interviewed and spoke to at least 25 or 30 different advisors mm -hmm. in the world of wealth management to kind of pick their brains and say, Hey, this is who I am. Hey, this is what I do. How, how could I get into doing what you do? Um, what would you recommend to try and move? So at about a year and a half into the journey, I, I transferred from audit into tax because I knew tax would be better experience. I even moved locations. I continued to fill out resumes. I explored potentially an MBA. I did all sorts of different things to try and find something that was more in that wealth management space where someone would give me a shot. Because the longer I was in public accounting, the more I was just being branded as, you're just a CPA, you're just yeah, an accountant. Yes. 
mm-hmm. type of thing. And uh, it took three, three and a half years. And I'll admit for, you know, the first two years, it seemed like I was just pushing against a proverbial wall, mm-hmm. not going, I had dozens of lunches and phone interviews and hundreds of hours of research. And I, like I said, we got that other certification, all this stuff, and it was making no progress. I was still stuck doing the same exact thing. And that could be really disheartening, but I had to just trust the process and trust that if I continued moving forward, that a way would open up and it did eventually. Uh, I'll even admit that, um, one month before I got where I start, before I started working at my current firm, um, which was a, a local wealth management firm here in the Sacramento area, the largest, um, independent firm here in Sacramento, um, I had actually interviewed for a different job that was going to pay me twice as much as what I was making at Ernst and Young. And it was, it was effectively working in what's called a family office. If you're familiar with the concept of a family office Mm -hmm. and it was just this incredible opportunity where I'd basically come in on the, the floor, the ground floor of this family office and be the, the CFO effectively and get to be involved in the family's investment decisions and the operations of the family finances, all sorts of things. It would have been super cool. But uh, being a man of faith, I got on my knees that night, said, Lord, this seems like a wonderful opportunity. I think I'm going to move forward with this unless you tell me otherwise. And then it was like lightning in an instant. I knew, nope, you're not supposed to take that. Wow. That's cool. So you oh, didn't take and it. That was disheartening. I didn't. <sighs> and, and the hardest part about it is my wife, uh, she is amazing in every potential way but she she had been very patient with me mm-hmm. i had effectively received no raises for the first few years of my career because i had moved locations to a location where there was a different uh, you know the cost of living was considered lower so therefore they didn't you know give me a raise that year and then there there was another reason for you know i was always a high performer but they just Oh no, you're, 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 you're changing. Oh, you moved from audit to tax. So therefore uh, we're going to step you down one grade because you need to learn more stuff. And then therefore we're not going to give you a raise, you know, all this sort of stuff. So we had effectively had no increase in income for three years, three and a half years almost. And here I was about to be paid double and it looked like, okay, great. We can financially kind of start to breathe a little more. Keep in mind, I was living in the Bay area where, okay. Yeah. It's not exactly exactly inexpensive. Exactly. (laughs) And I, time my wife was pregnant oh oh yeah that little nugget is important to know too yeah yeah so all these things were adding on it seemed like this was going to be our final like oh we did it rob was able to get out of it and get into something that was more you know wealth management focused to some extent and no was the answer wow and i oh and i remember as soon as i got that feeling i said all right lord if that's the case you have to tell my wife because I don't know how I'm, I'm <laughs> going to tell. I mean, you got to at least let her know to some extent because it can't be just me feeling like this because th- this would be crushing. Yeah. Luckily, you know, God is good as the phrase goes. And uh, my wife, when she prayed that night, had the same exact feeling. Wow. And so that's cool. Uh, how long did I it take it before you got the other opportunity? And one month later. Okay. It was about a month later. I got the next opportunity. Um, oh, and that one, honestly, it was a step down in pay and it was taking another step back in terms of career progression uh, in order to just get in. But we both prayed about it. We both felt like it was right. And then 
the Lord opened up some other opportunities for my wife to make some other money on the side that just kind of compensated for things. And mm-hmm. honestly, it's been an incredible blessing. Ah. I couldn't have asked for a better starting position with mm-hmm. a great firm, with some great mentors and a great opportunity to learn and grow. And uh, so I couldn't have picked a better spot, but it was not the path that I would have ever taken to get there. The multiple years of what felt like no progress and then having to turn down what felt like just this golden, perfect opportunity. Mm -hmm. And then the perfect opportunity wound up looking like not a great opportunity a month later, even though it turned out to be exactly what I needed. Oh, it's so crazy, isn't it? You know, um, you did so many things right, even though it may not have felt like it in the in the moment. I just want to point out one that I think very few people do. When you said that you had interviewed 25 people in the industry to find out what they knew, what they liked about it, what they would recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really important for people who are out there and they're they're looking for work. If you have something in mind that you want to go into, to be able to do those interviews and people are more open to them than what you think if you're out and you're searching you're like oh i don't want to bug them or whatever people are open to it because they want to help they want to mentor and so i think that was brilliant too now this show being called from fear to fire i've got to ask what have been Mm -hmm. some of your biggest fears or, or struggles along your journey there are I think a few core fears that honestly, I've really only started to have awareness around mm-hmm. um, the last couple of years um, that I think have driven a l- me in different ways in various parts of my journey. One of those fears, I think, is a fear of failure. Mm. Um, and I don't really, I know that that's kind of, that's not very... Uh, uh, flashy to admit it's very common (laughs) though rob so it's a good one to talk about (laughs) oh yeah but i think we often lie to ourselves and say well it's not that i'm afraid to fail it's a i'm afraid of xyz Mm -hmm. and that was my case for a long time i would you know you get on social media you listen to any of the motivational speakers out there or you know the self-help books and it's always like you gotta push through the fear you gotta gotta (laughs) overcome your fear by doing x y and z and i was always like i'm not afraid of anything (laughs) 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 i can do this i do hard i push myself to do hard things i'm fine i'm not afraid (laughs) but uh upon doing some deeper self-reflection and actually trying to be more honest with myself and by having calm conversations with friends, close friends and family and my spouse. And it became undeniable that it was fear that was driving me. Sometimes it was the fear of failing that drove me to push myself to try harder, to try again, to do the difficult thing, to whatever it might be. Uh, um, so you, I think do that you that, feel like, like that, said, that, that, that fear is, is a pot. Oh, it's definitely normal. And so you found a way to use it positively sorry say that again heather so sorry, have you found up. a way to to use it then so it, yes it's a common fear yes i think that a lot of people feel that have you found that when you kind of sit with it allow it acknowledge it and then maybe you can use it oh yeah for sure mm-hmm. um i found that once i was willing to see it clearly Number one, it sh- I was a- I w- once I was willing to acknowledge it, I was able to see it more clearly. 
um, in my life. And then once I was able to see it clearly, it became signposts for me to push through those things mm. or to work through them or to actually tackle them instead of avoiding them in some way. Like I'll give you a perfect example. So, um, when I started my podcast, I, I, I've listened to podcasts for 10 years. I'm one of those weirdos that listened to them long, long before they were popular. Um, I'm a weirdo just, too. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I just, I just love the medium, uh, but it had taken me a long time to actually start my own podcast. My, my own podcast has only been around since 2020. Mm -hmm. And I think in part that was because I was afraid I didn't have a message to share. I was afraid that I, whatever message that I could give wouldn't be valuable. And so I was afraid to take the jump. Mm -hmm. And finally, I just had to get to a point where I was like, you know, screw it. Why am I afraid of this? Yeah. Okay, I should just do it, right? Mm -hmm. And then I found that I had to face that fear multiple different times along my own podcasting journey. So at one point, I okay, I, I decided to start my podcast. I got my logo. I got uh, a couple episodes recorded. I was, I was about to launch and I had made some connections with other podcasters. One of them invites me to this group of a bunch of guys. They're all starting up their podcasts and they are sharing, you know, best practices and various things. And I looked around the group and all of them had 20 plus episodes in the bank ready to record. They had full websites and landing pages and, and lead magnets and all this sort of stuff that you quote unquote, you need as a new podcaster to really get your show going. And here I was, I had no website. I had three episodes. I had no lead magnets. I had no, I had nothing. I just felt so inadequate. I felt like I, like, should I, do I even do this? Like, should I even get going? Then I, I am a horrible podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like now in hindsight, you know, that's just my fear talking in the moment. And luckily for me, I just pushed through it. And I just kept going. And I have 34 episodes at th this point, at the time of this recording, I've now got a website, I've got landing pages, I've got lead magnets, I have all that stuff now. But it's that comparison that, that just takes us down sometime. You know, sometimes oh, yeah. we, we see what other people are doing and we don't mm -hmm. take the time to look below the surface or we won't be shown the difficulties that they have or what they're experiencing or the challenges that got them to where they are. Mm -hmm. And we only see the glowing trophy of where they are right now. That's what social uh -huh. media does for us, right? It shows us just the good stuff. Yeah. And that's what we're comparing ourselves to. Instead of comparing ourselves to the journey that they've taken as well, if you have to compare at all, including the bumps and the humanness that is you know, a, a mm -hmm. part of it. And I think that hurts a lot of people when they're out there and they're, they're afraid because they think that what people are showing is the only part of the story. And it's so not. I completely agree with that. In fact, I'll share a quick story that kind of illustrates that. Mm -hmm. So my podcast, Contenders Wanted, is about that meaningful success. Mm -hmm. And so I've been on other podcasts and those hosts have assumed that, oh, Rob must be really successful because he's got a podcast that has, you know, that talks about success and he has what looks like a very successful social media following. I mean, it's not that great. I mean, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but the funniest thing about that is I was sitting in an interview one time and one of the, the interviewers asked me like, have you had any setbacks? It seems like your life is really pretty easy. <laughs> and I literally just laughed. <laughs> because he has no clue of 
what's going on in the background. Like, okay, I'm going to just pull back the curtain on my life a little bit for your listeners right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am 33 years old. I've been married for six, seven years, well, seven, eight years at this point. I've got a couple little ones. I still live in an apartment. I'm still building my career. I don't make millions of dollars a year. I'm recording from my bedroom. It's not like I have a studio. I made my own website. I edit and do all of my own podcasting stuff because, you know, I'm, I have a small family and I don't make a lot of money. And I do this as my passion project because I just love it. And so I don't have a, just a bunch of extra money to spend on a, all sorts of stuff. I have my own fears and insecurities. I have my own stuff. Yeah, I have, uh, you know, a couple thousand people that follow me on my social media. But at the same time, like, I don't, it's not like I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, it's funny how even I consider myself very ordinary, very normal. Mm -hmm. And yet, even me, little old me, I can be perceived as, quote unquote, successful, a champion, quote unquote, yeah. when I'm still trying to just figure it out as well. We're I'm just all as just well. trying to figure it evolving. out. That's what we're doing, which exactly. is day to day. We're getting up and trying again the next day, right? Oh my exactly. God. And in my opinion, anyone who says they have it all figured out, especially if they're you know under the age of 30, mm -hmm. just full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> None of us do. Not even the 60-year-old who says he has it all figured out has Nobody it. Nobody has it all figured out. out certain things in his life. <laughs> So, you know, what's really cool. So I have a, my co-author for my newest book is 92 and he freely admits that he doesn't have it all figured out either. But see, I think that's what wisdom brings the realization that there's always something else to learn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I love about of... your show. Right. I love, I love the idea that you talk about helping people create meaningful legacies because I believe and I and I write about and I speak about the importance of of leaving a legacy and, and and understanding what your unique gifts are and how they can serve the world a little bit better yeah. or differently and special uniquely. So can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So for me, meaningful legacy um, goes beyond money. I think when you hear the word legacy, a lot of times people think of like some big charitable donation mm. or a, a big inheritance or something along those lines. And naturally, as a wealth advisor by day, that's where I spend a large chunk of my time. But part of the impetus behind putting this emphasis on my podcast was because I saw enough prospective clients and clients in my work who focus so much on the money that it was at the expense of the things that actually brought them joy and happiness and fulfillment in their life. Mm -hmm. They would work till all hours of the night, working hard, trying to, you know, create a, a great business maybe, or advance in a career. And sometimes it was in the name of providing for their family or for giving a better life for their family. Right. But when you push it too far, you run the risk of actually pushing your family away, mm -hmm. breaking free from them, losing them in the process of supposedly doing this for them. Um, in fact, 
one of my guests on my show, his name was Fraser Cameron. He's a he's a Kiwi from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. He shares a story on the show where he he was a consultant, a very high paying consultant before he left the world of consulting and became a coach himself. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how part of the impetus for him was that he was standing in an elevator with a CEO of an incredibly successful company, a guy making millions of dollars a year. And it was just he and the CEO after a, a meeting they'd had together. And as they're going down, he asks him, you know, was it worth it? And the CEO looks at him and says, I don't think so. Mm. And he goes on to explain to Frazier that because he had missed a lot of those important events in his family's life, and he had spent so much time at work, in the pursuit of supposedly being there for his family, he had lost his marriage. He had lost, he had n- not great relationships with his children. And now he had, he said, the phrase that just like hit me was, he says, I now have millions of dollars that I have to spend to try and repair damage that I caused years ago. Mm. And I hope it's enough. Like, mm. Ooh. Ouch. Yeah, that's right? that's motivating for the person who's listening, for Frazier who's listening, right? Exactly. Yes. And I think that's not an easy thing to to find that balance of when is too much, too much, mm-hmm. right? Because anyone who is, is self-motivated or who has great dreams or ambitions, it requires great work. It requires sacrifice to some extent. It requires diligence. It requires the best of us, but we must learn to put first things first. We must learn to remember what our priorities are Mm -hmm. and we have to find a way to do both. I believe that it's possible. I've seen it in the lives of my Mm -hmm. close family members and I've seen it in the lives of many others. It's possible, but I feel like sometimes it's so easy to lose sight of it. And so I, I just try to be a voice for those out there that hey, you can do this. And here's some examples. I love it. Now, you know, contenders wanted. Do you have a, a boxing background or where did the where did the theme for the show come from? <laughs> well, that's a great question. And it's funny you say that because as soon as I came up with the name Contenders Wanted, I knew people were going to think of boxing or think of Rocky. I can't help myself. I love Rocky. Rocky Four fighting Drago is just the best, in my opinion, the best boxing movie. It's amazing. I mean, in the workout montages, he's just ripped. Ridiculous. Uh But the short answer is no, I don't have a fighting background. I I have a sports background. I played football, basketball, ran track in high school, played rugby in college, different things. So I have a sports background, but I don't have a fighting background. Mm -hmm. But... I do believe that the fighting spirit, that can, the spirit of the contender, is something that if you really do strive for greatness and you want the very best for yourself, for your family, for your future, you have to have that contender inside of you. You have to be willing to take the hits, you know, quote Rocky here, take the hits and get up and keep going. It's not about how hard you hit, it's about how, how it and keep moving forward. Right. That's what Rocky says. Oh, yeah. That's a great. That's one of the best lines. <laughs> and exactly. It's a fantastic line because it's true. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to take the hits. You have to be willing to have the setbacks, to have your plans not go according to plan. You have to be willing to be afraid. But in the words of John Wayne, courage is being scared to death, scared to death, but saddling up anyways. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to be willing to get in the ring. You got to be willing to take the hits. You got to be willing to keep moving forward despite the setbacks. 
if you ever want to have real meaningful success, in my opinion. I love that. I mean, we could end right there, but, um, but I do have two more things for you. Well, first, yeah, I, I want you to be able to share with our listeners how they can find you, anything that you want to know about maybe how they can find the show, because mm-hmm. I think they're going to be listeners going, okay, well, how do I find it? I want to listen. So can you help them out? Yeah. So you can just search your podcast. Find me on LinkedIn. Uh, technically, we also have a Facebook page, but I'll admit I feel like Facebook's kind of a bit of a cesspool. So. <laughs> or you can email me directly at rob at contenderswanted.com. Okay, so contenderswanted.com to find the show, rob at contenderswanted.com to reach him. We'll put these links into the show notes, folks. Don't worry about that. All right, now it's time. I mean, this flew by. What is your final burning um, action tip, resource, words of wisdom that you want to leave people with. We all have fears. We all have doubts. We all are figuring it out. But the difference, the thing that separates the average from the great is just that the great don't stop. Mm. Keep trying. They don't give up and keep pushing. Even when no progress seems to be being made, even when it's painful, and even if it means turning away from something that seems perfect, but in your gut, you know, is not right. Mm. I love that. That's some good words of wisdom there, Rob. <laughs> if you listeners are, are loving this show, make sure to share it out to your friends. Let them experience it as well. And don't forget to check out Rob at contenderswanted.com. Rob, you've been awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Heather, for the invitation. Appreciate it.